Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is Ken Weary, most well-known for being the COO of Hotjar, which is a fully remote company in the tech space with hundreds of employees spread around the world. And he's very well known as a leader in that area and also in remote work advocacy, helping other companies go remote and telling that story. But today, what we really dive into is the other part of his life, which is his family life and is equally as fascinating. He and his wife and their adolescent children have been traveling the world together for years. They're currently in Portugal, calling that place home, but they've called many other countries home over the years. And he explains how they managed to do it. It seems like the perfect balance of adventure and normalcy, great education for the children. They seem to be living it up, and it was super exciting to hear the way Ken approaches life with a family on the road. So I hope you will enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Ken Weary to About Abroad. All right, we've got Ken in the house of About Abroad. How are you doing, Ken? Welcome. Uh, doing really well, Chase. Thanks a lot, man. It's great to see you again. You know, it's been a really long time. I, f- I feel like we stay connected well through the Twitter spheres of the world, but it- it's been a long time since we've actually seen each other, three or four years at least. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in the, what, the French Alps I, I, when we initially met, and then we yeah. narrowly missed each other at a, at a conference in Bali too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We've been crisscrossing uh, a good bit and I'm, I'm excited to get into the story that's kind of emerged from your life since then, because when we did meet the first time I was blown away by the, the kind of quick elevator story of your, of your life. When I found out that you're not just a, a full-time traveler and an executive at a, uh, at a big tech company, but also that you're a family man that happens to live this lifestyle with, with children. And, um, and I've said this before on about abroad, that this is one of the things that people bring up to me the most is like, yeah, I want to do this lifestyle, but I could never do it because I have kids. It's, it's quite challenging or I have a full-time career and I can't really take that on the road with me. I wouldn't be productive. You know, I'm way too busy for that. And, and you kind of, debunk both of those myths simultaneously, which is really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to, happy to share my story and uh, provide advice um, to, to your audience. And uh, there's, there's not uh, a ton of people that do it and I would love to encourage others to give it a shot. Yeah. Well, let's start with where, where are you right now? Actually? I'm in Southern Portugal in uh, the Algarve, um, just uh, about 200 meters from the Atlantic ocean. That doesn't sound too terrible. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> how long and how long have you been there? I mean, obviously you're you're not Portuguese uh, for for anybody. You're you're uh, an American citizen, correct? That's right. Yeah, uh, born in Texas and uh, but uh, tax resident in uh, Seattle, Washington area, uh, and also a tax resident in uh, Portugal. Uh, I the um, been in Portugal now for uh, about a year and a half, uh, which is uh, very unusual uh, given uh, my my past history for the past seven years. But uh, pandemic and uh, my family and I decided to create a home base in a uh, particular area and happy to talk through all of that and decisions, yeah. framework, everything. Yeah, let's well, uh, let's talk about why that's a bit weird because uh, not not the fact that you're living in Portugal, but more the putting down roots thing. Um, so take us back <laughs> a little ways because when when I first met you, uh, you were you were I believe nomading a bit more, and um, and maybe you have a desire to continue nomading. I don't know. Let's let's dive into all of it. But tell us a little bit of the backstory about um, you know sort of that transition into traveling a lot with a family and what that looked like for a long time, and to connect the dots between then and you know, quote unquote, settling in Portugal. 
cool. Um, yeah, so the this we're definitely still going to travel, and we have uh, plans that I'm happy to, to to share as well. The it's probably best to rewind the clock uh, seven years ago. Um, so a little over seven years ago, uh, my family and I left the Seattle, Washington area to um, wanting to explore. We wanted to. Uh, my wife and I had been on a trip to Guatemala uh, the year before and uh, met other expats there. And it just kind of opened our eyes as, hey, there are other expats in Guatemala uh, from America, from Canada, from Germany. And if and Guatemala is a beautiful country. Uh, and so we just kind of hit us of like if 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 others can do it, why can't we? And there was the aspect of, well, you know, we have kids, you know, it'd be awesome to live abroad and, and check out other cultures and learn from other, other things, but the kids and the school and this, that, and the other. And, and we initially decided, well, well, we'll wait until the kids move out of the house. And that thought lasted about five minutes because we realized we started doing the math. We're going to be like, damn, we're going to be old. That's not what we want, right? We want to be out exploring the world uh, you know, while, uh, we can make the most of it as well. And, and, uh, and really exploring it with the kids and teaching them so much about the, the things that we wanted to interact with, see, do experience. Uh, and so, uh, like I said, a little over seven and a half years ago or seven years ago, we, we left the Seattle, Washington area and, uh, drove to Guatemala. So we drove through Mexico, drove uh, into Guatemala, uh, which a lot of people uh, had said yeah, it was crazy, but, especially with young kids, the cartels, this, that, and the other. Uh, and when you do a lot of research, you realize, actually, no. I did, the driving in Mexico on their interstate system, which is the toll system, is extremely safe. It's extremely, you know, uh, set up well. Again, do your own research, you know, put your own uh, risk navigator on it. But we determined, actually, if just, it was, we felt very safe with it. And we'd known other people who had done it as well. And um, it's not a problem. It's actually more dangerous to drive in Guatemala where the roads aren't as good and you got to watch for more livestock on the highways. But the um, uh, so uh, we, we spent uh, nine months in Guatemala and uh, decided we wanted to continue to travel abroad uh, and experience more and more things. And from there, we've just continued uh, travel. We spent uh, two and a half years going through Central America, again, driving throughout all of Central America in every country in, in the mainland. Uh, so El Salvador, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, uh, Nicaragua, uh, Mexico, of course, um, and Belize. The, uh, there's, and there's a ton of different ways to do this great with a the family. There's uh, you know, house sitting opportunities. We stayed in uh, Costa Rica for uh, 89 days because you can only stay there 90 days without establishing a visa. Um, and uh, so we stayed there for 89 days, house sitting, for free in a beautiful uh, uh, house up on a hill overlooking the Pacific. It was gorgeous. Um, and so there's a lot of ways to hack it and do uh, different aspects to save money uh, and, and enjoy it and experience things. Um, but after two and a half years uh, in Central America, we then uh, moved to uh, Europe and Europe and Africa uh, began doing the same thing there. And and our travel has always been based around the aspect of living in an area, um, yeah, definitely from a slow travel perspective, living in an area, generally a minimum of a month uh, to, uh, to three to four months with an occasional aspect of such as uh, Guatemala for, uh, for nine months. Uh, wow. Now, when we did these things, we always did them with the aspect of establishing a home base eventually. So you run into all kinds of aspects, as you know, as a digital nomad, when you're, as you're moving around, you do have to worry about, you know, how long you can stay from an immigration perspective or the Schengen in Europe and, and so forth. Um, and, and it's tricky because for us, we have to, you know, we, we, there's four of us. Uh, so you got to plan for four, but the, the different aspects. So we've created home bases um, uh, with the aspect of what's a country where we can stay for an extended period of time, set up. Uh, an apartment, a house, if you will. So we have some regularity where we can come back to the kids can have their Legos in a, in a, in a house, but we can still branch off, spend a week somewhere else. So we did this in Albania as well, where uh, Albania lets Americans stay there for a year uh, with no visa. Um, so we, we uh, were in Albania for 
nine, 10 months. Uh, but at the same point in time, using that as a home base. So we'd go to Croatia, go to Montenegro, go to Greece, and always come right back to an area that where we had more, a little bit more of our stuff um, and, uh, you know, a consistent internet connection. So we go to Greece for, you know, several weeks, come back um, to neighboring Albania and, uh, and chill for, you know, get settled a bit. And then you, you just get back right back up and, and keep going. So that's what Portugal is, but it's, um, it's also a little bit more than that. Uh, the, um, we, um, so I don't know if I answered your question and I, I can keep going about Portugal and the framework there. You, you absolutely can. You, you did answer the question, uh, and it, it created a dozen more questions, which we'll, we'll get into, but that, that does set the, the, a nice backstory. I think it lets us know kind of where you've come from and, and where you are now. I'm super curious, how old were your kids when you, when you started off on the journey uh, down to son, Central America? Yeah, my son was five and my daughter was eight. Uh, and so um, now uh, my son's 12. He's been traveling for more than half his life. Uh, and uh, my daughter will be 16 uh, very soon. So. Wow. And did you have any uh, let's call them naysayers. Like, like when you were first setting off in the journey, did you have people saying you're crazy? Don't do this. Like you can't do that. Any, anybody kind of try to make you pump the brakes? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially family members, right. They, they care them, they care the most and they, they, uh, not, you know, I think, uh, they, they don't want anything bad to happen to us. Um, at, you know, I, at the time I said, Hey, I'm taking a hiatus. I'm not, I'm not working. And so then, you know, Hey, what about, how are you saving for the kids? How are you saving for retirement? And I'll figure all that out. This is, you know, we're, we're going to start traveling for the first year of, of those seven years. I didn't work. And so there was naysayers from that. There was naysayers of, uh, you know, it's really dangerous. You know, there's uh, whether it's the cartels or, or what have you, you shouldn't be driving through Mexico. And even when we're in Mexico, talking to Mexicans, when we're first, they still remember as you're driving through the first time we're in northern Mexico. And there were a couple different interstate options I had to get down south. And so I was asking uh, Mexicans that we'd meet uh, in uh, even even more central, even in like Mexico City. And I was asking them, you know, this route or that route. And they're like, oh, don't drive to the south. Don't do it. That's scary. And um, so I made my decision and we kept going to the south. And I get to the south and I'm talking to people in the south. And they're like, you came from the north. Oh, my gosh. It's so scary up there. So even even people in their own country, uh, you know, have their own uh, frights. Um, but then you ask them, have you ever been to the south? No, I would never go there. It's too dangerous. Have you ever been to the north? No way. So yeah, that could happen in our country, too. Right. Like you ask oh. somebody from Alabama, like, hey, w- would you go to New York? They'd be like, God, no. Are you crazy? There's murderers in New York. And if you you got someone from New York, hey, would you ever go to Alabama? Like, oh, my God, no way. It's totally different. Down it's a whole nother world. Like you can't go down there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to go so- and see it for yourself. Do your own research, right, and yeah. a, and apply your own uh, your your own appetite, um, and so yeah, and, and so we had, we had uh, primarily family members, but definitely some friends, um, and there's still plenty of our friends that think we're nuts, um, but that's yeah, okay. I'll course. take that as a badge of honor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to float the mainstream uh, in, in every way. And and at that time, um, two other follow up questions about the kind of the the genesis of all this. Where, where, where were you at like career-wise and, and was your, as a second part to that, your, I guess your wife as well, like, were you guys kind of stable and, and you said you took a year off, but were you looking for a change? Was it, a, was it a good time to kind of make a career change? Um, because you've obviously ended up, I mean, you're an executive at a, at a well-known tech company now, so things have worked out, but you obviously were okay with taking a step back, you know, financially career-wise a little bit. So I would love to put ourselves in your shoes there. Like, where were you at kind of stability wise as a, as a family in terms of careers and stuff? Yeah. Um, you know, from a financial perspective, we, um, we've always been conservative. And so we've, we've, uh, we've saved, uh, as we've grown throughout our careers. Uh, and, uh, I, I was an executive, uh, at a, um, at a typical corporate gig in the Seattle area and well compensated and, uh, had a, you know, had great job security. Um, but I got to a point where I was burnt out and I needed to make a change, a foundational, uh, change. Uh, and the, 
uh, and after we saw what we saw in Guatemala on our first uh, trip there, uh, we're like, wow, cost of living is peanuts down there, right? And um, and they do have internet, right? It's it's you know what we, we can we can get by, we can figure it out. And so it was the confidence of saying, you know, screw it, stuff will work out. I don't know what the plan is, but stuff will work out. And so what's the worst case that could happen? You know, what's the worst thing that could happen from a career perspective is. I lose a year of pay because they took it off. Well, A, I had, I did have savings. B, it was peanuts as far as the, the cost down there. Um, and, and we were, we were very conscious of that as to, you know, like I said, when we were in Central America, we, we had house sitting free. So you find these different uh, aspects that you can actually support your, uh, your you know, help subsidize a lifestyle. And, that that was extremely important. So uh, my wife uh, had also uh, gone through a spell of a burnout uh, about two years prior to that. Um, she was also uh, she worked for uh, a digital startup, and uh, in the Seattle area, and uh, which was education based, which gets into a whole nother aspect of our kids' education. But after we had our second kid, uh, a couple of years after that, we decided it was best for. Um, best for our family, uh, sanity, at least to, uh, for, to only have one person working. So I was the only person working. So we effectively had no income. Uh, but we, you have to take risks and, you know, okay, if I lose that one year of income, I was confident that I would come back with incredible stories that would actually help get me hired at whatever, at a future job. And actually that worked out with the job I currently have, uh, my travels that I had done, uh, we've done, uh, quite a bit of blogging to just capture our memories and communicate it to families and friends. And um, that uh, when I was looking for the job I currently have, I was talking with the CEO and he's like, I read your blog. I am fascinated. Right. And uh, he's like, if you can figure out how to navigate getting your car through borders in Central America, then uh, I, I, I'm, I think you can solve our business problems. I'm like, All right. <laughs> It's so funny. We, kid, I, I wish that, uh, I'm so happy we're having this conversation, like obviously for the audience listening, but also just for, for our, our friendship, because I'm learning so much and I'm seeing there's so many parallels. So I'll just take a yeah, second sure. to, to kind of draw some parallels here. First of all, what year was this when you guys left? Cause I'm thinking it was around the same time. 2014. 2014. Yeah. Same exact year. So backing up like a little bit when I, when I was in uh, graduating from college the year before I graduated. And I was kind of like a, a, a go-getter, I guess you would say in college. Like I wanted to get all high, high grades and I wanted to do all the internships and be, participate in all the stuff. I just, I was fired up about it at the time. And that's all to say, like, I really expected to do an internship every summer and get a lot of good experience to kind of further my career and whatnot. But the last summer uh, before my senior year, uh, I decided I got offered an internship at a company that I really wanted to go work for. But instead, I turned it down and I went on a road trip with, uh, with my friends, the two of my friends. We drove around the U.S. for the whole summer. And I was really torn up about this because I really, I really like, wanted to go work for this company or I thought this would be a company I would love to go work for afterwards. And I just turned them down for an internship. So I'm probably never going to get hired there. So instead, we went hiking in Grand Canyon and Yosemite and up into Canada and all over the west of the U.S. And it was it was amazing summer. I came back the next year and I applied to a uh, to the, the same company and I had an interview. The last interview was with the CEO of the company. And I told him straight away, I said, like, I'm kind of worried I'm not going to get this job because, you know, of this uh, of, of this decision I made last year. Um, or this came out at least in the conversation. And he said, and he, he told me, uh, if anything, that, that got you this job that got like, in my mind, that got you this job because, you know, he, he was the, one of the reasons I wanted to go work at that company was because they took this approach, like to that, you know, work, work isn't everything. There's a life to live outside of work. And I, I was really attracted to that. So anyway, that it came back to serve me in the same way that it served you, uh, with this, with this company that you went to work for later as well. Fast forward to later in life, I, I quit same exact same year as you. I left uh, left that company, 
and was kind of told I was crazy. A lot of, a lot of good things going my way, but my wife had also just gone through a burnout and, and had decided to kind of start like a side project and have fun with it. And we were sort of in a position where it was like, yeah, we're financially stable. We can afford to, I can afford to take a year off and kind of figure it out and we'll, we'll travel. So we, we also headed South and uh, spent time in South America and Central America and uh, after about a year and a half or so, I went and came and interviewed at Duist. And one of the reasons that I was told later by our, our now chief marketing officer why she hired me was because she, I told her all about how she asked me to tell her all about some details that I had to, you know, some, some story about managing a lot of details. And I told her about moving my dog all around the world for 18 months and what that was like and all the paperwork and transporting him back and forth across the equator and, and across the Atlantic multiple times. And she told me later that got me the job. So take the, you can take a step backwards sometimes and you never know, like it could take you two or three steps forward. I, I totally agree. I mean, there's, we meet a lot of people. Um, I'm sure you do uh, as well that you know, of, oh, I would love to do what you do, uh, but I can't. And as soon as you get to but, you know, that is nothing more than an obstacle that they've chosen to acknowledge and put there. Um, there, you know, there, there's a, a million different reasons why we shouldn't have gone, but it's something we absolutely wanted to do and we did it. And you can make anything happen. You know, there, you know, we did a million things to save money. Uh, you know, what's the most expensive thing? It's usually plane tickets. We drove. Right, you got to pay gas prices, and uh, you know, you, you your home expenses or whatever, you know, sell it, rent it, you know, whatever. Get rid of your furniture. Get rid of the. Get rid of anything um, that you you don't need. Um, free yourself from the the those belongings. Um, you know, look for you know travel hacks out there. There's a million of them from you know the you know, house sittings and homestays and house swaps and um, you know which is your second biggest expense. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, and so you can, you can broker those different aspects and Let, um, let's touch on those. Actually, that, that's, that's a good point. I'm actually, I just negotiated a home exchange, uh, finalized that yesterday. I'm a big fan of home exchanges, house sitting, you know, obviously leveraging some of the well-known, more, more well-known platforms to, to rent places and stuff. But what are some of the, the resources you, you recommend using and in, in particular, any particular websites that, that you like within that bigger frame of like, uh, you know, house sitting, for instance? Yeah. Um, so I mean, house sitting, uh, we, our go-to is trusted house sitters, which is the, the biggest platform out there. Um, we've dabbled with the others, but we found that there's more offerings and more stability with, uh, with house sits with trusted house sitters. Um, and, uh, so that we've used that, uh, the most and, um, had, uh, really good success. Uh, but I would say like the biggest and uh, best thing is really truly networking, uh, mm -hmm. getting to know people. So uh, the uh, I was invited to speak at a conference in Canary Islands. And so uh, I was told my wife, hey, I'm going to the Canary Islands. And at the time we were in uh, Croatia and we were about to have to figure out our next move. And she was like, well, if you're going, we're going, you know, we, we um, needed to make our next hop. So we, we made it there as a family and we met friends at the conference. And all of a sudden one says, oh, you guys house sit? Oh, wow. Like I, she, you know, I've got this three bedroom apartment and I'm going to be out of town. I have to fly out for a month. Is there any way you could house sit my cat? Boom. You know, we just got a free place to stay by going to a conference. Right. Um, oh. and so there's a million different ways. Another thing, you know, as you're in, everybody's got their own interests and their own hobbies and there's social networks for those. Right. So, you know, running, I'm a big runner. And so there's all kinds of different aspects there. Um, and you meet people, you know, in the virtual sense and you establish relationships. Uh, my wife, uh, is huge in education and home education. We homeschool our kids. And uh, so she's on a homeschool forum and somebody says, hey, I, I'm in the Netherlands and uh, we're going to uh, go to um, the uh, go to Mexico for uh, for two months. If there's anybody who would house sit and this is on a, you know, on a group in Facebook for homeschoolers. Uh, and she said, if anybody wants to house sit for two months in the Netherlands, uh, I have a cat and a, and a hamster. And so we're like, 
yeah, we'll do that. Sure. You know, it, again, the serendipity of uh, we don't build a lot of plans as far as structure of what are we doing this month, that month, that month, that month. We we generally broadcast no more than uh, six months in advance as far as really what we want to do, because let it flow. Let, let's see what the opportunities are. And that's what we've always done with our travels. And there's always been something that came up. I would say from house sitting, just use your network by, by following your hobbies, watching those things for renting places. Yeah, there's use the Airbnb, the VRBOs, home away, what have you. But where I find the really best deals is where you get to know people and you get to know locals and you see what's going on. You join the local Facebook groups. I know Facebook is, is, is not a fantastic platform, but damn, does it have really good groups? You, you know, you look up, you know, expats in whatever city, there's pretty much going to be a group there called that. And a lot of times those groups have really active people who are like, you know, I'm selling this, I'm renting that. And you can get incredible deals and you get to know people that way. And lastly, like when we're in Central America, I would just walk around. I'd walk around and you'd see these, uh, these signs that say for rent in Spanish. Um, and you call them. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, they're not online, they're not on the internet and you see something uh, or you knock on the door when it says for rent. Uh, it, it is very, it's non-traditional, uh, but it's where you can really find the, the great deals and you get to know the people, you can see the places. It's 10 times better than saying the pictures on Airbnb look really good. I'll take it. Um, yeah. No, knock on the door and see if you can take a look around and see, oh, well, it kind of stinks in here. I think I'll pass. <laughs> Hopefully some of them don't stink, but you know, occasionally you're going to come across a stinker. And, and it, so in that case, like, like in a, I'm just super curious if like, let's say you're walking around in Guatemala, you have you rented a place for a period of time on like an Airbnb? Like, you know, okay, we're going to be there for three months, rent a place for a month and then figure out the next couple months once you get there. Or, or how do you map that out? Yeah. When we, uh, when we travel to a new area where we uh, are going to stay for a period of time. Uh, so, uh, what we generally do is we, um, rent a place for a couple of days, no more than a week. And then we get to know, uh, the area It's like, is this really a place we want to stay? We figure out is there, maybe it's a neighboring neighborhood or across town or what have you. And then from there, that's where we then uh, look for more of a longer term rent. Um, and I would highly advise that because otherwise you end up with a place you've rented for a month, uh, and you're miserable, um, or, mm-hmm. Um, also maybe you really like it. Okay, cool. And, and, the and the, the landlord or the Airbnb host likes you, you can generally negotiate a deal after that for an extended stay. That was my experience too. Um, I, we, we lived for a year and a half or so, basically month to month in a bunch of different places, but a couple of times we really liked the place. And so we would say like, like in particular, we had this place in Ireland, we ended up staying for six months in, in Ireland, which was the longest we stayed anywhere uh, until Valencia actually. And, and so uh, we, we rented it for a month. And then after a couple of weeks, we were like, we're really comfortable here. We're kind of tired of moving all the time. And Ireland, uh, had some loose rules, at least at the time. I don't know if it's still the case, but you could basically like, unlike the Schengen in, in uh, mainland Europe, you could just leave and come back. So like we went on a, we were after three months, we went on a two week trip back into Europe and then popped back into the Schengen. Now the border agent did ask, like, it's kind of weird you're here for two, three month periods, but okay, it's fine. But anyway, so we ended up staying for uh, for six months, but just kept extending it month to month. And um, yeah, I think I think like what I've learned from living that way is that it actually works out like eight or nine times out of ten. Like I, I think the natural mentality is to think like, oh, something won't work out, or like I'll be stranded or something. But like it it almost always worked out. Yeah. Now, I think it, if you're, as long as you walk into it with a mindset of uh, just rolling with the punches, um, you can you know, see how the dust settles. And if you don't like it, you make a change. Um, and the, um, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a million stories we have from the you know, first time we came into Portugal, uh, again, another Facebook group, uh, my wife was just trolling, trolling it. And we're uh, north of Lisbon and um, in Idisera, um, which is a really cool surf town, right? It, uh, it's an awesome up, fishing Up village. and coming digital nomad hotspot, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is like a year and a half. No, this is like two and a half years ago. Um, again, uh, the uh, somebody posts like, hey, I've, um, and this is peak season too, peak season. Uh, I've got this 
this apartment. I'm renting it. I'm not looking to make a lot of money. Um, and my dad lives across the way. So I'm nearby if you need help. And it's like this three bedroom place. And it was like a third of the price it should be at peak season. She was just looking to, uh, for a family that would, uh, that would come there versus, uh, somebody who's going to show up and party. And yeah. it was incredible. Uh, we had this incredible spot there. So that, yeah, that's people will ask like, well, why would somebody do that when they could rent it out? And like, just, you can put yourself in their shoes. Maybe they don't need the money. Uh, maybe it's just like, they just want their place taken care of. They've got plant, like in our, in our case, for instance, we have a, the, the cost of living in, in Spain is, is really good. So we have like a very nice place that would be attractive, would be an awesome Airbnb if, if we wanted to Airbnb it or if we could. Um, but we have lots of plants and we, and you, and sometimes we go away for one, two, three months and like you, you want somebody there, like it's going to get musty. It's going to, your mail's going to collect. I don't know. You just, you want someone there and, um, not everybody's out to make a fortune with their, with their properties. They just want them taken care of. So I, I I've, I've had the same experience and Facebook groups are insanely useful. I mean, they're, they're, you get on there and like you said, you type in expats in fill in the blank and you'll be surprised how much you can find. Yeah. Yeah. And, and same thing for the hobbies. Like, you know, you can type in, I can, there's a Facebook group for runners in the Algarve and Algarve is this, the, the, the small, the district, the Southern district of Portugal. Um, and sure enough, there's a running community and they meet up and they uh, post different aspects about what they're doing. And, and so, um, it's a great way to meet people and, um, and really get out there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That socializing aspect is, is huge. I think like in our virtual world, we, we take for granted, like the, that little like human connection that you could, like you talked about, like walking around and knocking on doors and, um, get, like getting into the running club and, you know, seeing where that goes. We we're so kind of like predetermined, predetermined, is that the right word? Predestined, predetermined to go to like, uh, you know, like, like go to online to search for something, but there's a lot to be said for getting into these these, uh, these groups. In fact, our, our apartment that we have here in Valencia worked out because of like, everybody says, Oh, how did you find this place? And it was literally because our landlord at our Airbnb had a friend who had a place coming available and was like, yeah, you know, maybe you could like your, your lease, your Airbnb quote unquote lease is ending on this day. And she needs somebody to fill the, the apartment the next day. And it was the human connection, not like, scrolling through the equivalent of Craigslist or Zillow or something looking for looking for apartments online. It was like getting out there and shaking hands and and being nice and making friends and people want to do favors and, and help you out. Yep. Yep. Um, there, and there's uh, like one other tip I'd give is like on Airbnb, when we use it, we tend to use it last minute. So A, we have really good feedback because we've stayed at a lot of places and, uh, and, and had really good reviews from, uh, from hosts where we've stayed. So we've got really good credibility. Um, I, we've got our Airbnb accounts that dialed in to say we're a family, we travel, explains everything, puts it all out there. They, you know, any host looks at us and says, yes, I want, I, I would like them to stay in my place. So we're booking, you know, 24, 48 hours before we land in a place um, for a week. And if you're a host, you know, what do you want? You want low maintenance guests and you want your house filled, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so um, somebody, you know, a day or two before uh, uh, is contacting you saying, I will pay you for a week and you're not going to have to really worry about it. But um, I'm also looking at other places. Uh, can, you know, is, you know, can you tell me what the, the best price you're able to offer is? Mm -hmm. And we've had some incredible deals because people look at us and say credibility and, uh, and you're able to fill a need for income that I would get immediately versus having my place sit vacant for a week. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with doing that. I've, I, I totally support that. I, I, I've done the exact same. Um, and it, it's amazing. Cause like you said, if you work on your profile make it look good, get the reviews, it was really tough for us at first with a big, we travel with a big dog. Uh, uh, Coda, his, his name's Coda, Siberian Husky. People see pictures oh, wow. of him. They think, Beautiful. oh my God, big, big hairy dog coming to my little apartment here in, <laughs> you know, Paris. I don't know about that, but, um, but what we did is we actually, uh, reached out, like we would get, when we got people to allow us to stay. And at first those were mainly like fellow pet owners. Um, we would like specifically request like, Hey, can you leave a review? When you leave a review, would you mind mentioning that like, 
Coda was good, you know, and, and that we Absolutely. took care of the That's house. Like, that would be really important to us. We're living this lifestyle. It would, it would mean a lot to me. Um, and if you've been a good guest, why wouldn't they do that? And, and so that paid dividends because from there on out, I could say, Hey, look, I know, I know your profile says no pets, but I just want to say we're coming for a month and we, and, and here's my reviews. You can, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions, blah, blah, blah. And it, it almost always worked out. No, it's a great tip. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Lexity. I've lived abroad in various countries, and one common denominator I've found is that dealing with foreign bureaucracy is a nightmare. Trying to navigate visa and immigration waters in another language is not something I'd recommend ever trying on your own, even for the most experienced of us. So when I recently had to renew my Spanish visa again, I turned it over to the pros at Lexity. They've already helped more than 5,000 expats and digital nomads find a home and thrive in countries like Portugal, or in my case, Spain, also Italy, France, and Greece. Some very desirable locations indeed. So whether you're trying to obtain your first visa abroad, purchase a property, or work through international tax issues, Lexity's team of friendly lawyers is here to simplify your journey. The team is super knowledgeable, bilingual, and thorough, and I seriously cannot recommend their services enough. My experience working with them has been incredible, and I can honestly say I don't know that I would have EU permanent residency if it wasn't for the help of the team at Lexity. So if you're ready to make your move abroad, then Lexity is offering an exclusive discount to About Abroad listeners. Grab 10% off your first service with the code aboutabroad2023 and learn more over at lexity.com in the show notes and start your abroad journey today. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. I would love to hear what, what do you think if, uh, if your kids were here on the show with us today, what would they say about the, the lifestyle you guys are living, uh, especially at the, the age that they're at now? My daughter, who, like I said, is almost 16. She would say, loves it. It's great. She wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, my son would say, um, I want to move around less. Um, okay. and, um, the, and sometimes it's, I'd like to be in the U S sometimes it's, I just want to stay here, wherever here is. Um, and, uh, and, and on occasion he like, I don't know, brings up like, you remember that time we stayed at that Marriott hotel in the country of Georgia <laughs> and they had a water slide. That's what I want. I want to go back there. So it's, you know, he's got, gets fixated on, uh, on the details or remember that cereal bar they had in that Nicaragua <laughs> place. And it was like really good. The things we get asked about the most with the kids is, well, you know, you're, they're moving around so much, um, you know, uh, what about their friends? And, you know, I don't know, I, I still, you know, keep in contact with childhood friends that I have. And, you know, what about, what about their, you know, isn't that a huge downside? And I don't, I don't paint our lifestyle to be a panacea. It's the right lifestyle for us. It's not the right lifestyle for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, in, in response to that, I, I would say that, the our travels and the experiences our kids have had have exposed them to different dynamics that I didn't get exposed to until I was an adult. Namely speaking, how do you network? How do you meet people? How do you strike up conversations with strangers? How do you uh, make these connections? If whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, how do you do it? Because you have to do it during certain situations, and they're awkward, right? I, I it was awkward knocking on doors in Mexico as a you know this this, <laughs> this guy with U.S. license plates and asking you know if there's there a deal here. Um, the um, but you have to be able to put yourself out there, and these our travel has definitely put our kids out there to the point where they're comfortable in almost any situation and they're, and there's their skills to suss out a situation of, of, you know, is this person a scammer or is this a situation I should avoid are heightened to the point where they would, you know, beat out most adults. And uh, a couple of examples, like, um, we're in Romania, Bucharest, Romania, December, um, uh, about coming up on, uh, uh, four years ago now. And, you know, my daughter's 12 and the, um, and 
we're at this outdoor park in the middle of Bucharest and the kids are running around playing. It's, you know, snow on the ground and everything. It's just a really cool day. And uh, our kids are running around for about an hour. And my wife and I are just hanging out talking. And then uh, my daughter comes running up to us and says, hey, dad, uh, this is Joanna. She's going to have a sleepover. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> Who's Joanna? <laughs> we have a sleepover. We don't know anybody here. We just got here. And Joanna's a local Romanian uh, that um, parents homeschool. She taught herself English by watching YouTube. It's just fascinating kid. Um, yeah, it's mind blown. And uh, jo- I was like, jo- Joanna, you're going to have a sleepover? And, and do you're where are your parents? She's like, Oh, they're over there. You know, we just, uh, I just introduced them to your daughter and yeah, and yeah, they're, they're fine with that. So like instantly, um, my daughter in an hour in Romania found a kid that spoke English, uh, a girl, her age gelled with her and talked to her parents in a negotiated a sleepover at our Airbnb. It's like, well, how does that work? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine she's, trying to... She's going to take your job, man. She's, uh, yeah. she's good. <laughs> it's and, impressive. Uh, and sure enough, like she slept over and then uh, both, and then they asked if both of our kids could sleep over at her place and we had dinner with her parents and met, it was just really, I mean, there's nothing more pliable in all of nature than a child's brain. Um, it can change, it can adapt far more than us. It, it hasn't built in the excuses or the, the, the baggage that we have and everything. And so our, our kids have this ability to, uh, and I think all kids have the ability to learn and develop and, and nurture uh, different skills and social skills. Now, do they have as many of the lifelong friends as I have? No. Can they make transactional friendships and, and suss out different situations far better um, than, uh, than most people? Absolutely. Um, but that's also one of the things that led us to Portugal. So as I mentioned, we homeschool. There's a number of other homeschool uh, pockets uh, in Portugal. And so we wanted to settle here so that our kids could be around other homeschool kids um, and transact with them on a longer term relationship and actually build deeper relationships. So <clears throat> this past weekend, um, the um, we live in the south of Portugal. Well, in the north of Portugal, they had a not back to school uh, weekend uh, where uh, the four, uh, four other teenagers, total of five teens that uh, homeschool had signed up for this again, Facebook. Um, and uh, one of, one of them, uh, their parents said, Hey, we're hosting as many of as many teenagers that are homeschool that are in this group that want to come up to Porto. And so I put my daughter on a train uh, last Friday morning uh, from the, uh, the South to the North, a six hour train ride by herself. Again, totally comfortable traveling by herself, totally uh, familiar with the area and what to look out for and how to watch your bags, all that stuff. Just, um, and gets off at the right train stop, has a blast staying with four other teens, uh, two, only two of which she had ever met before. Uh, and they went surfing and rock climbing and rode scooters all around Porto. Uh, and then she took the train back down on Sunday night. Um, so opportunities are abound. You just have to look for them. Yeah. I mean, that, that just sounds like the absolute best form of education. Like everything you just described to me, that just seems like such an incredible worldly education, the, the way that your kids are getting to experience the world. And if I, if I were to like, kind of ask myself as a 10 year old, or even as the parent of a 10 year old, like, okay, you can choose from one of these two options. Like you can go to the same school every day for forever and be surrounded by the same kids and study social studies and, and English and biology, or you can get some of that as well, but also learn to speak a bit of about 10 different languages, see 30 different countries, walk through the Colosseum uh, and, and experience history that way and learn to interact with people from different cultures um, and all the nuances that come with that. Like that, that second option seems like a really good one. <laughs> and yet I think it's still kind of viewed as sort of like the, the, it's obviously the alternative to the norm, but it's, it's an awesome option. And like, I think, I feel like your kids are growing up with getting so many advantages actually. No, I, I, I fully agree with that. And, and I think that um, the natural aspect to, to think is, well, they're either missing out on something and yes, they are. They're missing out, as I mentioned on some of these, you know, long-term friendships are not the same. They still exist. They're, they're not the same. 
It's, um, it's trade-off though, right? Like, like you're, you're totally. getting something there's, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. And that's the, that's the big trade-off and it's understandable. Totally. But at the same point in time, like, like you said, the education I think is so much more richer. You're not, you know, the, um, I could go on on a whole nother podcast about how broken I think the education system is, uh, just simply because everybody has to learn all of the same subjects at the same level at the same time. Nobody is wired that way, but yet we continuously do it. Everybody has different interests and everybody has different readiness as to when their maturity and their mind from an EQ or an IQ perspective is ready to learn different concepts of math or science or what have you. And the most important thing is, why don't we treat kids like we treat ourselves as adults, which is what interests you? Let's go deep there right? Mm. You know, you and I both need to know how to write to do our jobs. Both of our companies work a lot asynchronously. So we need to know how to communicate ourselves. Does that mean I need to be an expert writer and should spend hours and hours and hours on that? Or would I get more experience doing something else that then benefits um, the, uh, my writing skills? You know, case in point, we're in Honduras uh, and the, uh, I was, I'm a certified diver. And so I was ready to do some diving in Honduras and my wife was learning. And my daughter says, Hey, I, I'd like to learn how to dive. And, uh, and turns out that Patty, uh, the, the diving organization, uh, has a junior course and you can do it when you're, uh, minimum age 10. Um, if you're 10 and the instructor says you are mature enough, they will, uh, let you, uh, be, you know, go through this junior certification program. Well, my daughter's quite mature. And so she did this. And so she wasn't doing uh, your typical math problems or your writing problems or anything like that. No, she was actually learning about air compression and nitrogen narcosis and, uh, and different compre- you know, aspects of in, in, science by default, math by default. She has to learn how to do diving tables and all this. So she's learning these experiential skills that apply directly to her academics without even focusing on the academics. And she's a certified scuba diver at 10 in Honduras on the second biggest reef in the, in the planet. I mean, there's, there's, I'll take that every day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems like a course that you want to sign up for right there. Like it, like both for <laughs> life and, and just for like enjoying it. And, uh, and I think enjoying it is, is something we overlook sometimes like what, what an experience. Um, that's, that's incredible. Do you mind me asking with the homeschooling aspect for anybody listening that's saying, oh, this could be interesting. What is sort of the next, the, the next step? Like, like, can you, when you apply to colleges and universities, like you have to provide high school transcripts and grades and grade point averages and stuff. Like how does, how does that transition work? If that, if she chooses to go that route? Yeah. Um, I, I love the way you asked the question. If she chooses to go that route, because I think, uh, that's the default thinking of all, uh, of, of many people is, oh, college is next. Well, yeah, definitely we, does not, not have anymore. to be. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. You, you mentioned um, earlier the 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 twelve year old that taught herself English by watching YouTube. I mean, you could you can get an entire education. Uh, you can get a doctorate on YouTube right now. So yeah. So uh, my daughter does, uh, you know, have aspirations for college. I don't know if my son son will, um, but um, the uh, so the way that uh, since we're Americans, uh, we're. Uh, we're tied to the uh, American education requirements, which homeschooling is uh, you know, readily available across all 50 states. Uh, so the aspects there, uh, parents can write the transcripts, uh, parents can assign uh, the grade point averages. You still have to take the standardized test, the uh, SAT, GRE, uh, what have you. And so that helps to, to right size things. Um, so that's kind of like the bare minimum. Uh, what we do is, uh, what we think about it is much more additive. So um, what are the, uh, you know, my daughter uh, has become so much of a science nerd. And if she was here, she'd brag about that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, that uh, she's gone beyond what my wife could, uh, could teach her uh, and, and wants to go in depth about marine biology uh, and, uh, and genetics and you name it. And so she's, uh, there's phenomenal resources out there online, online courses, uh, instructor-led, you know, computer-based, web-based, everything, different types, whatever you feel is most appropriate for your child's learning style. Um, And so she's been taking these courses for the past couple of years. Uh, And we have all of these as part of a portfolio of different things she's learned, uh, in addition to 
you know, learning how to scuba dive in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in Honduras at 10 or, uh, you know, taking art lessons in Spain or you, you name it. There's um, all kinds of different things. All of these go into a more or less a portfolio. It's almost like a CV. Uh, now, different uh, universities across the world have different requirements. Um, so what I just really spoke about is very U.S.-based. But so in, the, in Europe, uh, if she chooses to go to school in Europe, there's different exams she'll take. Uh, and uh, we have been exploring what those requirements would look like um, and beginning to, to ramp up on those aspects. But the, um, we know people um, that are, uh, in their thirties that have, that, that homeschooled and went to great colleges and they're, you know, if they did that 20 years ago or, you know, 15 years ago, um, then they're, um, there's, we're not concerned in, in the slightest. Yeah. It's, I think it's just good to know like that, that is a, a possible next step mm-hmm. from, from the homeschooling, um, uh, arena. So I, that's, uh, and I, and I assumed so, but I, I really wasn't sure. So just yeah. asking out a g- genuine curiosity. Um, I have also couldn't help, but find it really interesting that she's interested in marine biology and also got her patty certification <laughs> off the coast of Honduras. Uh, there there's a, it's just interesting to see, like, you know, she, you, you that, that started at a young age and like, look, look where it's actually led her to. So I find that fascinating. Uh, no, totally. And you know, she's, She's been surfing in South Africa, Portugal, Spain, um, and spends a ton of time in the water. So, how, how roughly how many countries have you guys, you know, quote unquote, lived in? How it doesn't matter how you define it. I'm just just curious. Like, do you guys keep track of that? Do you have a rough estimate? The um, my wife does, and I believe it's um, it's. 30 for my son and 31 for my daughter. There was another thing, another trip that we, my daughter took, um, visiting friends in Ireland. Um, and Mm so, um, we were, when we were in Croatia, one of her friends that we grew up with and family friends was in Ireland. She was, she was up for a plane trip solo and we put (laughs) her up on it. Uh, she, she was off and away and back. Um, so, um, but yeah, we, we define it, uh, you know, not by, Oh, look, we're, uh, our, we have a layover in Dubai for, you know, for three hours, we get, we'll count that. No, we actually, um, we have to at least stay the night. Um, and in many cases stay for uh, at least a month, uh, in those aspects. Beautiful. Sounds like a, a really, uh, a pretty exciting lifestyle and one that you've managed to, to build right into the kind of the DNA of the family. You guys just have it down to a, to a science. It sounds like, and it sounds like everybody's kind of just rolling with the punches. Um, have there been any major challenges that have occurred along the way, any kind of horror stories or anything that would kind of caution, you know, let, let somebody who's, who's thinking about diving into the, the Ken weary lifestyle, like right away, which say, well, just consider it, it's not all sun sunshine and butterflies also. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and again, the lifestyle is not for everybody. We, we've uh, we've influenced um, our, our inspired some of our our friends and even coworkers to to give it a shot and try with their families. And uh, it more times than not doesn't doesn't pan out. They'll try it and it's not for them. And and that's cool. There there is adversity by all means. And so uh, you know it traveling with your wife and dog. That you know you have to plan. Everybody's got to have to have a role in how you're going to plan and how you're going to move and who's, who's watching the dog or who's, you know, getting SIM cards or who's negotiating this, or when the language is difficult, how do you navigate that? Everybody has to be comfortable with their own role and comfortable with discomfort to a degree. Um, and so, but that's a muscle that we've exercised enough times that mm. is, is fun now. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we've had some, we, we used to say that every, um, uh, every year, at least, you know, every anywhere from nine to 18 months, we're going to make a mistake and it's going to be a total pain in the butt. And in certain cases, it could be very costly, uh, financially where we're just going to screw up and, and you just got to be ready for it because it's travel. It's the travel gods, it's karma, it's whatever it may be. Um, there's, and so like there was, there was, um, one time we were flying back from, uh, my wife, my wife, kids and I, uh, there's a couple of times we've actually been separated, um, for, for, uh, uh, 
non-ideal things. So like number one was, uh, my wife, kid, my wife and kids were flying, uh, I believe from, uh, Spain to Albania and, uh, they needed to stop over. They had a layover in Rome for like six hours. So my wife is like, Oh, brilliant. My wife and I've spent time in Rome. The kids have never seen the Coliseum. You know, she's going to take them out of the, out of, out of the airport, you know, and, and go see the Coliseum. And it was so, history. It was history class day, right? I mean, you, oh, you had, it was a field trip. <laughs> absolutely, and and you got to experience Italian pizza. So the kids were yeah. like all over it, right? That's um, the best best pizza, school gelato. food I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, and so they take off. They go see the Coliseum. They get their pizza, their gelato. They get on the train to go back to the airport. Oops, they went the wrong way, um, and they were on an express train the wrong way which means they just kept going and going and going and going. They missed their flight. Um, and, uh, you know, by the time they got to the, the wrong direct, the next stop where they were going to go on the express, they had to get all the way back, wait for their train, all this, they missed their flight. Um, and you know, okay, well, we all missed flights. Well, this cost us like 1200 euros because there were three plane tickets. They had to stay overnight. The kids were in massive meltdowns because all they had had were this pizza and gelato. My wife's dragging them, trying to run and catch all these planes. Um, so, you know, stuff like that happens and, and it, and it sucks. Um, and, uh, and, but now we can look back and laugh at it. Um, <laughs> you know, but um, I would say like the biggest, hardest one that we've had was, um, in order to apply for uh, residency in Portugal, you have to go and uh, it, as Americans, you have to go, uh, depending upon the state you're, you're resident in, you have to go back to the United States, apply in person at a consulate. And so we had to apply in, at San Francisco consulate. We all flew there and we figured, hey, again, you know, hey, let's make an adventure out of this. Kids have never seen San Francisco. Let's go experience this. This was February 2020 just at the start of the pandemic. Right. And so, um, the, um, but we, people really didn't know a lot, you know, that things really hadn't heated up. So we go, we spend uh, like a week and a half exploring San Francisco, apply for our visas. Um, I flew back to Europe, uh, because I needed to get in a time zone. That's more, it's, that was better for some of the work projects I was working on. Um, so I flew back to Europe, the kids and my wife flew to Seattle to go visit family. Then the pandemic, boom, lockdown happened. Uh, first week in March, the day before they're supposed to fly to Europe, Europe says no Americans. I'm in Europe. I'm in Portugal. We're ready to get settled for this residency we just applied for. I'm by myself. We have no idea until how long till they could rejoin me because Europe wasn't letting them in. And it was just a day by day by day thing. We spent four and a half months apart. Oh, I was here in Portugal by myself for four and a half months in the start of the pandemic. And yeah, it was like serious stuff, right? It's, it's aspects of, you know, how long is this, am I going to be separated from my family? Uh, you know, aspects of depression, you know, you gotta, you know, it's a real human thing. And, there, and I'm in this new country where I don't know anybody and there's this pandemic and it could be, you know, earth ending or whatever you want to say from a, you know, aspect. And my wife is like, I just want to be out of America with my family, with my kids. The kids are driving her nuts. The kids want to spend time with me too. And it, it was hell. It was like the worst part. There's the, definitely the low light of our, of our travels. Um, and then finally Portugal loosened up things just a little bit for family reunification. Even though we didn't have our residency yet, we were able to go through kind of a loophole. I found a lawyer here. Again, talk about making friendships and relationships. I, uh, I got to know my neighbor here, turns out to be a lawyer. She does a little bit of immigration, but primarily does like real estate. And I got to know her and she was like, I'll write you a letter. We'll file this. We'll go through it. And um, just the sweetest person uh, provided this uh, letter. Uh, we were able to submit it. They allowed my wife and kids to fly over for family reunification without residency, which was just kind of a, a really big deal. That is a mind blowing story on so many levels. I can't believe that. It, I mean, to be honest, I can't believe that it worked out that they that they were able to get back in, especially considering without having the residency yet. Um, that. I'm, I hate it for you that you guys had to go through that. It makes for a, a really entertaining story now, but a hellacious uh, four or five months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blowing. So yeah, so, yeah. So certainly not all, all, uh, all, all fun along, along the way, but it sounds like you guys have, have had a lot, a really great time. 
you, you love the lifestyle. It doesn't seem like you'd change it for anything. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, the, yes, there's stomach bugs. Yes. There's aspects of, uh, of hygiene or, uh, finding a doctor when you need one, it can be a, a pain in the rear. Um, but it's, it's an adventure and it's yeah. one that it's one that we're fully signed up for. Uh, and you learn so much by, uh, by putting yourself out there. Yeah. The, the road less traveled is, is normally the the more scenic route than the interstate. Um, and, and it seems like you guys have found out how to figured out how to do that as a family, which is, is a, such a special thing. So congrats. I think it's really inspirational. I've, I've remembered the conversation that we had, like I said, for some around four years ago and, and been so excited to, to dive in deeper on it. So this was a lot of fun. Um, I wanted to ask one, a couple quick, like, uh, not, not to throw rapid fire at you, but just because there was so much more I wanted to get to and I, and we didn't, so we don't have to expand on any of these, but just so people know, cause I could imagine they might be asking these questions. Um, what visa are you using? Is it the D seven to stay in Portugal? Okay. That's right. All right. So for people that are interested in that, we'll have another, an entire episode this season on the D7 in Portugal, which is basically very similar to the visa that I'm on in Spain called the non-lucrative visa, similar regulations and rules and stuff. So we'll dive deeper into the actual uh, mechanics of that visa in another episode. How about um, like health insurance uh, or, and anything sort of related, you know, kind of thinking about those practicalities of life. How do you guys stay covered medically? Um, and anything else that you can think of sort of attached to that, that might be useful for a family considering this, this, uh, this lifestyle as well. Yeah, great. Um, the, um, so for health insurance, uh, we, uh, for the longest time we're with, uh, Cigna global, uh, and Cigna global has a, a great family offering. Uh, and, uh, it was something that, uh, has a variety of different plans. Again, it, we didn't have the same level of care and coverage as we would have had in the U.S. by going to our primary physician or, or what have you. But at the end of the day, we're quite healthy family. We, we, we basically went with the aspect of what do we really need to be covered for? It's catastrophe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you know something really, really bad happens, I need coverage. And so we chose catastrophic insurance with the aspect of you know, if, if, if my son breaks his arm in Mexico, you know what? an x-ray, a cast and pain meds is probably going to cost like 10 bucks. I mean, it is the, the, the healthcare system outside of the United States is so much cheaper and that's in Mexico, similar in Portugal and most of the world. Um, and so the aspects of when we did need medical coverage, it was super, super cheap. Um, and we got good or good enough care for what we needed every single time. Uh, regardless of language barriers. Um, and so we actually never used Cigna. We had it and it was a great insurance blanket. It was exactly what it should be, which is, you know, just for if you absolutely need it. And um, we recently canceled that uh, in getting our residency here in Portugal. Um, there's uh, not only there is state covered healthcare, uh, but there's uh, private insurance above that, that actually covers us throughout all of Europe very, very reasonable, um, actually cheaper than Cigna. Um, and in certain cases, better coverage. Um, and then if we travel to like the U S or something, we can, uh, get uh, world nomads or some other type of short-term insurance from there. Yeah. Excellent. I will, uh, I will second pretty much everything that you said. I've never had a problem, uh, from, I'm thinking back to five, six, seven different countries where I've had to visit a doctor uh, or some, one of my wife or I, or, or a vet for uh, the dog. Like it's, it's never as big a problem as you might think. Normally I uh, can do it in English uh, when pretty much every, a lot of the doctors have been trained in English speaking countries or speak English. So um, yeah. never a problem there. And I'll do a quick plug for our season sponsor, Insured Nomads. Um, if you nice. guys listen to this show, then you know that they uh, they they pr- are a great provider of such insurance. So um, you can check them out at insurednomads.com. And I'll tell you, like I, I I'm I'm a middle aged male, and like there's there's things you got to get checked up on, right? Yeah. Um, and things you got to make sure everything's good, and they're not fun, but they they actually have the same type of aspects and throughout the world. And again, pennies on the dollar for what you pay yeah. for it because it's a different type of system that's structured in a different way. Um, and, uh, same, same care. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll also say this has been the biggest, uh, 
the biggest positive surprise for me moving to Spain is, is this, uh, is this exact aspect, like our health insurance that we pay here is a local company, just like you'd have private insurance in the US. We're not able to access the state sponsored insurance as part of our visa, but we have to buy. So we have to buy private insurance, which just blows my mind. It's literally about 15% of what we were paying in the U S with no deductibles, no coinsurance, nothing. No, you, you just literally just pay the premium and everything is covered. Um, and you, you never pay out of pocket for anything. And the service is amazing. The, that you don't wait it. There's, there's stipulation. People have these expectations that, Oh, we probably have to wait for months to get an appointment. No, like literally I walk into a beautiful facility. I talk in English or Spanish, whatever I want, and I get great service and healthcare. So that's, that's been a huge surprise for me. And I, and I feel really lucky to, to have that here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one other tip, since we didn't mention it, uh, with regards to um, the for for people looking in this, uh, the biggest resistance is generally yeah, either healthcare or school. Um, there's a phenomenal self-directed education platform that my kids uh, have enrolled in. Uh, they've been there for over a year, and this is uh, a platform that provides a framework. It's not sitting down doing math and reading and writing anything like that. It is a framework that models. Our, our methodology and pedagogy of, of, of self-directed education, what are they interested in? And they have facilitators that help to guide kids to resources that interest them. And so my son's into coding as, tw- as a 12-year-old because he loves to game and wants to game and modify games in different ways. He's in like two gaming clubs, has done a boot camp on gaming, this, that, and the other, all through this platform. Uh, and it's a phenomenal platform that's set up for individuals like us, it's called Galileo, galileoxp.com. Um, and I would highly recommend checking this out. Uh, they can, they do it in different time zones. It's a, it's an amazing startup. Wow. Um, you, you literally took the words out of my mouth. That was going to be my last question. So, uh, you nailed it there. I was going to ask what, if there was any platforms that people should check out and that's, that's a phenomenal (laughs) way to, to wrap up this, uh, this conversation on traveling the world with a family. Uh, Ken, great to see you again. I'm, I'm happy you guys are reunited. You're doing well. We're neighbors in, in the Iberian Peninsula here. So we'll have to meet up uh, in real life, I, I hope, before too long. But thank you for sharing your story, all the tips. I can't believe we didn't even, we're two remote work nerds working at two remote work uh, first, for remote first companies that are kind of leading the way in that regard. And we never even got to that. So we will have to maybe catch up again and, and get into some re- remote work nerdism. But again, yeah, thank you so awesome. much. Yeah, Chase, great to see you again. And um, they uh, hope uh, share some stuff that's beneficial to others uh, and happy to share more as well. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll link to all of this in the show notes, but if, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you and or if you want to um, talk about what you're doing uh, professionally real quick and you know share share some links or anything, please do. We'll also put all that in the show notes. Cool. Um, the, uh, the place I work is called Hotjar. Uh, we're a behavior analytics company uh, and um, you can check us out at hotjar.com uh, and uh, I'll I'll save, a, I'll save any plug from anything associated to that, but uh, it's a phenomenal place. We're always hiring uh, and um, uh, over 200 people uh, spread across currently 33 countries. And um, so check us out. Uh, the, uh, and on the personal side, as I mentioned, we, we started a blog. If you want to know more information, we have a very, very outdated blog. We, we haven't posted in uh, several years, uh, but you can check out, check it out. And you can also uh, get in touch with me directly from there uh, through the contact uh, aspect. And so that's sunglassesrequired.com. Sunglassesrequired.com. Very cool. Uh, great. Thank you so much, Ken. Adios from Espana. We'll, uh, we'll see you again soon, I hope. Awesome, man. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me. It also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. 
and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.